continuing to pray for several of ours that uh, have uh, been sick and we have a prayer list in the back we uh, pray for not only did we put it on the list but we have prayer list and I know um, our family will pray in the evening for those on that list and Friday morning uh, I will hear people praying off of that list praying for names and asking God to move and we believe in the power of prayer and believe in the importance of prayer and I, I spoke uh, last uh, week about friends and then I, I got into uh, changing your mind and I started that lesson on Wednesday uh, night and uh, those of you that were here uh, I, I didn't get very far into the lesson and uh, then uh, kind of uh, got bogged down in telling uh, war stories about uh, traveling and uh, a lady, a young girl by the name of Maudie who uh, went down Mount Pilatus. I, I asked my wife, I said, what mountain was it? It was Pilatus and uh, the beautiful scenery and all she saw was just her feet. Uh, she never looked up. She would not look out. She wouldn't look out as uh, we rode this tram up one side and a gondola down. She uh, refused to look. Uh, she, she said, uh, somebody asked her, are you scared? She said, I'm scared of everything, was her uh, words. And uh, <clears throat> the poor young lady. And I, I talked about changing your mind and how important, of course, the mind is. And the Bible talks about being transformed by the mind. And, and it says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ. And, and I, I mentioned Wednesday night, and you're welcome to log on and, and <clears throat> watch uh, some of those, uh, that lesson Wednesday night, and just see what we were talking about the importance of that perspective and brother Nick Hancock read the verse in, uh, in Peter this morning and when he uh, was speaking about I am going to an inheritance incorruptible and uh, that importance of having a plan. You know, what's my retirement plan? Well, I have a retirement plan in heaven and it's good to keep that in mind. As a matter of fact, when you, <clears throat> that this hour people live for the day. And I, I mentioned Stephen Hawking who wrote uh, the book, who was a brilliant physicist and yet he, he has no meaning. Okay, life is full of equations and life is whatever. But when you take God out of life, there is no meaning for life. What is the meaning? What is the reason for living? What is the reason for any of this? Well, uh, you know, Solomon, unfortunately, uh, has said, uh, even in his own book of, uh, uh, of Ecclesiastes, if I get all this wealth and I leave it to somebody and they may not even treat it right and they may lose it and they may whatever. So what is the real meaning? Well, it's all is vanity under the sun. And Titus, uh, Paul wrote to Titus and he kind of talked about this for he said, for the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men 
teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Why would you want to deny yourself? Why would you want to treat people nice? Why, you know, they, they say, well, be kind, you know, to animals or whatever. Uh, and, and why would you want to do any of that? Why would you want to try to live soberly and righteously in this present world? The only reason is that you're looking because you realize that there is something in the future and then you recognize there's something that was happened in the past which was Calvary and because of Calvary he broke the pain over all kinds of addictions and all kinds of things and struggles and fears and all the things that I'm facing today it was price was paid on Calvary and so I don't have to live my life in chains today and I also know that I have a future and so that is a powerful sense of uh, looking forward and I mentioned that of course Wednesday night that whole sense of living for today and how the Bible talks about lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven and set your affections on things above and then that's where I stopped and I talked about look left, look right, and uh, look left again, uh, only because um, uh, in the UK uh, they will <coughs> say they have big signs that say uh, look right painted on the on the sidewalk on the sidewalks when you come to a, a, a crossing because most Americans uh, and people that are outside of the UK or Australia or Singapore or India uh, places where the British Empire was we have a tendency to look which way first we look left and then we look right then we look left and we cross the street Unfortunately, in the UK, you have to look right first, then look left, then look right, because the cars come this way. Uh, they drive on the wrong side of the road, or we drive on the wrong side of the road, whichever your perspective is. The point of it is, you can't just keep looking straight down and not get hit in this hour. If you don't get a different perspective, if you don't get a, 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 you know, what am I doing for eternity's sake? One of these days, the Lord's coming again. If you don't keep that in mind, if the only thing you live for is right now, you don't think about where I've been, what the Lord's done for me, what He did for me on Calvary, and you don't think about where I'm going, you can easily get overwhelmed. And then, uh, of course, I did not uh, show this slide Wednesday. Uh, and I, because it's another sense of how to change your mind and the importance of changing your mind. And I know it is not easy to uh, change our mind from this self centered, selfish society that we're living in. Unfortunately, we even call these photos, what are they? Selfies. <laughs> and so it fits right in. I want to take a selfie. And so I get up and I take a selfie and I take a selfie and I post it. And it becomes important. And we have people and it blows my mind that, you know, are 
I, I guess, make money at being influencers. I don't know how they do that. I don't know how people pay other people to tell them what kind of clothes to wear or to tell them what. I don't know. It's like mind-boggling to me I, what, what society is. And I, I understand people that have been through a lot of, of trauma and I've been through a lot of situations. And I, uh, when I was uh, younger, there was a lady by the name of Gloria Gaynor that uh, sang a song, I Will Survive. Anybody remember that? Or was I the only worldly person that was out there? <laughs> I can make it on my own. I don't need you. And uh, you went walking out the door. <laughs> Goodbye. I will survive. And so through the 80s and 90s, we had this whole sense of, I'm an island and I can make it on my own. I don't need the church. I don't need the family. And we saw in our statistics and what's going on today and people move and now, you know, they're, you know, they can move across country, across town, across the continent, across the world, and it's, I will make it, and I have no sense of, you know, it's whatever I feel, and I, I mentioned to this, uh, you know, I, I, I group, and I, I, I was telling them, I grew up with my grandfather, my mother's father, who retired from Standard Oil, or was later Esso and Exxon or Humble Oil and whatever, worked at a refinery in Baton Rouge. And, and uh, very truthfully, when I was evangelizing in the 70s and 80s through Ohio, he said, here, you can use my credit card. And uh, he said, because you should never, up there they'll have Sohio gas, because Sohio was Standard Oil of Ohio. I don't know if they still have Sohio gas anymore, but that was in the 80s. And he said, you know, don't you dare put in my car Philip 66 or Texaco. And what he didn't know was I'd already put all those kind of gases in my car. Because it was whatever was the cheapest and when the arrow came on that I needed gas, that's what I got. But he was, he was adamant and I realized then that he'd push his car for five miles to fill up at an Exxon station. Because there was a brand loyalty and it was, I'm part of that company, I'm part of that team, I'm part of that whole business. And so therefore, you know, I'm not going to be independent. Now, what happened was, <clears throat> the Lord, of course, was telling them in Mark, and it was kind of interesting. He goes through the story. And here he has 12 disciples. And he's picked them all. And you would think those 12 men would be able to get along. I mean, if you just put 12. I know, I don't see, we've got 3, 6, uh, 9, 11, 10. Uh, we, if we had two more right there on that row, we'd say, okay, here's just 12, just 12. Captain Sister Denise is 11 and Steve uh, Sloan there, we'll say that's 12. Just those 12 people. You would think that after following the Lord and listening to the teaching of Jesus and watching him perform miracles, that those 12 would be able to get along. But any 
anytime you throw something different in the mix and what happened in the mix of Jesus was that Jesus began to tell them what he was going to do what was going to happen to him he began to tell them he said you know what I'm going to be I'm going to be sent down and and uh, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to stand before the priest and I I'm going to be uh, put to death and I'm going to be delivered to the Gentiles and I'm going to be mocked and I'm going to be scourged and and I'm I'm here to tell you that it's it's going to get tough they're going to spit on me and they're going to kill me and the third day I'm going to rise again now you would think James and John and Simon and all would say Master, what are you talking about? What's going on? What is going to happen to you? Oh, I feel... You're kidding. You're, this is going to happen? We just said that you are the Christ. Well, this is amazing. I can't... Oh, Lord. That don't... Please, Lord. Oh. But how did James and John respond? Listen, Lord, would you mind doing anything we ask? Wow. And I know the Lord knew what they were going to ask, but I would think, wow, well, they're going to ask, Lord, let us be in your stead. Lord, let me suffer, not you. Lord, I don't want you to go through that. That would be what you would hope they would ask after I'm telling them all the things that I'm going to go through. But there was no feeling for Jesus. He says, well, what do you want that I should do for you? And you know what their response was? We want one to sit on the right hand and one to sit on the left. And Jesus said, I don't think you realize what you're asking. And you say, well, what does this have to do with my mind today? Because in the midst of an explanation about what he was going to go through, they were focused on what was going to happen to them. In the midst of what was going on, and Jesus was giving them an explanation of what I'm going to go through, their mind was stuck on what could one of us sit on one side and one sit on the other? You know, it's amazing. You would thought that having traveled together and been together, they would say, I feel your pain. That's horrible. Oh, man, I don't... So this is not a new 2021 problem. <laughs> People have been self-centered. That's why the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself because you know here somebody can tell you hey I'm really going through it I'm, I'm having a hard day it's been horrible I tell you what I'm, I'm overwhelmed and they can look at you and go what are we going to eat what am I going to have for lunch and it can your, your mind is blown how can you not did you not hear what I just said and yet there's very little. And that's our world. Our society is embracing that kind of a, it's all about how does this impact me? It doesn't matter how it impacted you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what anybody else is going through. It's what is it going to mean to me? And so in the midst of this, 
<coughs> they said, we want to know if one can sit on the left and right. And Jesus, of course, responds to them by saying, you don't realize what you're asking because I don't know if you know the cup that I'm fixing to have to drink. I'm going to have to pray in the garden. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And you're not hearing what you're asking. You don't know if, I don't know if you can be baptized with the baptism that, you know, that I'm going to be baptized with. And, and they were so obtuse out of it, whatever word you want to say, immediately what did they say? Oh yeah, we can do it. We can go through it. I can go through it. No problem. <clears throat> and read on down. When the ten heard it, how did they feel? Now then, all of a sudden, it got them all offended. <laughs> James and John how dare, I don't know what they were offended about. Maybe they were offended because they didn't think of asking it. Maybe they were offended because they thought they were going to be their leaders. I don't know what offended them so much, but it displeased them that James and John, and now we've got a rift going. And so Jesus said, now wait a minute. You know that that which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. But that so shall it not be among you. Whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister or servant. And whosoever of you shall be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man, now that's an important word phrase there. The Son of Man. Everybody say Son of Man. Because Jesus often referred to himself as the Son of Man. In fact, most of the time he made reference to himself, he would say the Son of Man. He said, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Now the reason I say that that's important is because Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. That phrase is only really used in one place in the Old Testament. In the Word of God. It talks about in the book of Daniel the 7th chapter and the 13th verse. I saw in the night visions and behold one like the son of man came with clouds of heaven came to the ancient of days they brought him near before him and there was given unto him dominion glory kingdom all people nations language should what? serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed so the old testament reference says the son of man is going to be up here 
And Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. And yet he said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Wow. You know who you are. You know you're smarter. You know you're better looking. You know. You know. Well, how dare they? You know. And yet you can humble yourself knowing I'm the son of man. I am the son of man. All nations, all people are going to serve me. And yet, he was willing to go to Calvary as the Son of Man. That's why Paul would write to the church in the, in the Philippians whenever he was in jail. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a servant. Now imagine that, the very fact that First of all, the God of creation, the God that said, let there be light, the God that spoke the worlds into existence would humble himself and go into a baby that would be born into a manger, into where the cattle were in Bethlehem. That's amazing. That's unbelievable. That he would humble himself that much and then not only live as a man, but guess what else he did? It says, took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found fashioned as a man. As a man, he further humbled himself. What are you saying? That God was so willing, wanting, desiring to have a bride that he would say, I will... I'm willing to be obedient to death, even the death of the cross. What are you saying? That he was so lacking in selfishness and self-centeredness that he would say, I am willing to go to by going not only to become a man for one reason, I want to redeem Adam and Eve and the race and the fallen humans that I have created in my image and I'm willing to go and become a man and then I'm willing to humble myself and go to the cross. Who am I to be so arrogant as to be feeling like, oh I can tell you, I, I, I I don't like this and I don't like that and God I don't know if I and Lord I don't I don't know I I I I I when the God of all creation humbled himself for me so that I could be part of the body you talk about the prime example of selflessness and that's why I put here, even the Old Testament, the, the Ten Commandments, you know, and we know, you know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Why? What was that all about? We're living in a world where self-deification is so powerful. The biggest God that I have in front of God is me. Well, I don't know if I want to do it. I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I... And then self-image, that's the big thing. My self-image. And yet the Lord said, Thou shalt not have any graven images. 
If he wouldn't let somebody make a graven image of him, why should I be worried about my self-image? I, I don't need self-esteem. I need God-esteem. Yes. It's not about who I am. It's about who he is. The self-centeredness that take your name in vain. You know, well, I'm my name is so-and-so. You know, whatever. Biden, Trump. Whatever your name is. Let me tell you something. My name. Oh, well, that's Keith Showstrand. That's a powerful name. No, my name is nothing. Follow me as I follow. It's not about who I am. It's about who he is. And if you don't keep that perspective in your mind, you're going to end up getting off track in this hour. You say, well, I, you know, I want to have my only thing I have is my good name. Well, let me tell you, your good name, if you're not, if his love and light is not shining through you, you know what your name will be? Means nothing. Self-centeredness, self-fulfillment. You know, I don't have time for God. Can you imagine? The God of the universe said, I want to meet with you. I want to talk with you. I want to walk with you. I want to be in the garden with you. I want, to, I want you to read my word. I want to sit down and talk to you. And I don't have... I mean, imagine the arrogance. If the governor, if your boss, if the president... If somebody sent word, I want to be with you. I need to talk to you at 5 o'clock. Well, I don't have time. I just don't have time. I don't have, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like, I don't feel like. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what you want. That's why this whole sense of self is Lord I've got what a privilege it is to be in your presence what a privilege it is to take time to log on or be in church and to take time to worship and to take time to praise God because we're living in a, in a world that is so full of themselves and what they want to do and how I'm busy and I've got this and I've got that and my whole life of self love not I, I can't love though you know my father and mother I can't love others because you know well they, they weren't perfect and they didn't do this right and they didn't do that right. You don't understand I was, I, you know they were this and they were that and I can if I'm not careful it becomes all about me and what I want and this hour of self will you know I, I, I get so angry I could kill and I, 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 you read them and you hear them and I, the stories that just every week it's another story of somebody you know getting mad and somebody shooting and somebody taking vengeance and somebody just because we, we just, whatever they cross me up I, I don't want them I don't want, I don't want my ex-wife or you know to leave me I don't want my kids I, so I'll take them out I, oh the horror of all of that but that's the hour that we're living in where self-satisfaction you know it doesn't matter what the Bible says is right or wrong it doesn't matter what the Word of God says it doesn't matter what I've been taught if I want to engage in it then it's okay and that's the hour we're living in and it's very difficult you know well preacher you know you tell them how wrong they are well I, I can show you what the Word says 
But who wants to hear it in this selfish hour? Right. Huh? Because it's what I want. Self-will. Self-acquisition. Stealing. If I can't get it, I steal it. I deserve it. The ninth commandment. Lying. Self-preservation. Anybody ever had children? You know what? how they, they break number nine? What happened? I, I don't know, Mom. I, I don't know. Somebody came in and pushed all the clothes off. But me, not me. If y'all remember, I, I don't know if anybody remembers the little family circus cartoon that had the ghost called Not Me. That went around in the house eating cookies and messing up stuff, remember? And so we developed this whole sense of, why? That's self-preservation. I, I don't want anybody to challenge me. Look out for, you know, me. Well, and this is the hour in which we've got to say, Lord, I need your presence. I need to be part of the body. I need to be part of the church. I need to be part. Oh, God, I, it's not all about me. I want to pray for someone else. Bear you one another's burdens. I, I, oh, when so-and-so is sick, I'm sick. That's why we have prayer. That's why we have these prayer lists. You'll see people, and they're taking a name, and they're praying, oh, God, touch this one. Lord, touch this one. Touch this one. And Sister Vin Anita came in today and thanked Siobhan because she sent her a card praying for Brother Richard. Why? Because as a family, here it is. I'm taking the list. I'm going through a name. I'm praying for her. Why are you doing that? Because I don't want my family, my children, my own self to get so wrapped up in me that I forget I'm not the only one that's out there. We've got a body. We've got a church that needs prayer, that needs help. In this hour, it's easy to just focus on me and my problems in the midst of everything else. Another thing, of course, and I, I know my time, uh, there's more. I, I won't even finish them this morning. And I know Brother Hunt's going to be here tonight. And so I don't know when I'll get to the rest of them, but we'll, we'll see. But another one is to change your mind in a selfish society, in a society that's interested in what I want is we're also in a society that I want more money. I want more stuff. I want more things. I want more. And that's why in Matthew where he says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. And you say, well, why? Because if your heart gets connected to it, I mean, we are, we are, are, are living in this. And he goes through uh, of some very you know, very powerful words when he says you can't serve God and mammon and money. And I understand people have to work and I understand you have to have a job and I understand all those things are important but if you don't watch yourself you'll get caught up in it where I've got to have, oh I need this and I've got to have that. I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be, you know, and, and, and the Lord tried to say and explain to him in Matthew, you know, your heavenly father knows what you have need of. He understands with food and clothing. I mean, you know, what more can you ask for? Consider the lily 
lilies, how they, you know, they don't they grow, they don't toil. And he said, how much more will the, you know, the heavenly father clothe you? And, and he goes through this in Matthew, the 16th, 6th chapter, the Sermon on the Mount, read it for yourself. Uh, Jesus teaches very candidly and very pointedly about money. He said, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And your heavenly father knows you have need of it. But seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. You don't... And I know I've got stuff and I've got more stuff than I need stuff and I, I get stuff and going to help get my mom and dad's stuff and people, stuff, 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 stuff. I get it. I don't... All of us are guilty of buying things we don't need. it's not with money we don't have if you buy it on credit that, that all of a sudden now you've just ex exponentially huh right. it's one thing to buy something you don't need it's another thing to buy it with money you don't have and whatever you do don't do it to try to impress somebody that you don't really even like You know, I got to have this kind of car because I, I want everybody at work, people that I don't even like, to think that I'm awesome. You will be set up for a get-rich-quick scheme that will skin you. Just being honest. I want these young folks to know, you know, there's no get-rich-quick scheme that works. I don't care what somebody else tells you. I don't care how much I, I know. I want more. I want more stuff. And yet Paul told Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. And it's certain we can carry nothing out. Somebody asked me one time, when somebody died, they said, well, how much did they leave? I said, they left the same thing that everybody else that I've buried leaves. Everything. Amen. <laughs> they left it all. You know, the old joke about the guy that believed that he could take it with him. So he had it all tr transferred to gold and he put it in the room above him, above his bedroom. And he said, I got to die in my bed. So when I'm dying, I go bastard and I'll grab the gold and take it with me. And you know the story. He died under his gold and his wife wondered, I wonder if he took it all. And she went and looked and she said, I knew he should have put it in the basement. It would have still been there if it would have been in the basement. Amen. What are you saying? 
For he said, we brought nothing into this world. You're going to carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be content. They that will be rich, that will be rich. When you desire, I want it, I want it, I want it. I want to tell you, you are setting yourself up to temptation and a snare. And many foolish and hurtful lusts that can drown men in destruction and perdition. Because the love of money, not money. I understand, you know, you may have been blessed. You may have thousands. You may have millions. You may have billions. I, I don't, whatever you have, it is not a sin to have the money if you're not a slave to the money. But when you decide that that's more important than anything else in your life, you've missed the most important thing, and that is to serve God, love God, live for God. Amen. In this hour, we have people that are more worried about money than they are, and it immediately opens them up to covetousness, and so then they covet what somebody else has, and then it goes through there, and they've erred from the faith, and the Bible says, pierce themselves with many sorrows. What are you saying? And I, I, I realize, you know, we could tell the story of, and I'll stop there. We're not going to take another offering. But you remember the story of the rich man that said to his soul, you can't speak peace to your soul. If COVID's taught us anything, is I don't care how much money you have. All of a sudden the bottom can drop out. If you've ever needed the Lord before, you sure do need Him now. Amen. Amen. Why? Because in a world, you know, and, and I, I, I understand. And the guy that said, I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns and I got to have more barns to put more stuff in. And then he said, soul, take thine ease. I have stuff laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Unfortunately, none of us have a promise of tomorrow. It's okay. It's okay to have money. It's okay to try to plan. It's okay to do all of that. But you know what? I, one of these days I'm going to face the judgment and I want to make sure that that's everything is going right there. That's why I lay up for myself treasures in heaven. God said unto him, Thou fool! This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then ask the questions. Whose shall these things be? I'm not saying you don't want to try to plan. And, but what he was saying is the Lord was saying, be rich toward God. Be a cheerful giver. So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. And I, you've heard me say it, and we have people, and I'm blessed to pastor, that have said, Pastor, I'm working another year. I'm working just so that I can give, just so that I can... Because I, 
so I can be a blessing. We have people that, that give their tithes, give an offering, and then they give for people in need, and they give to missions, and they give to other programs, building fund, and so forth. And you know what? God blesses them. You know, and then you have some that say, well, all preachers do is try to get money. I want to tell you something. If you're bound and you've gotten caught up in this money system of the world, the only way to break that spirit is to give. Yeah. Oh, you can say, well, I, I, I want you to, I, I want this and I want that, and, I, and yet I, I'm only going to give so much, and I know tithe is a tenth, it's supposed to go and give, and I, I'm not preaching on tithing, I'm not preaching on that, but I'm going to tell you there's a spirit in the world that I'm going to try to make sure I can hold on to it. And you can say, well, I'm providing for my family and I'm providing. I, I understand that there's nothing wrong to try to provide, but let me tell you who the great provider is. You better make sure that you're good with the great provider. Because I've read the stories. He can send a raven with food in his mouth. And he can provide a blessing. And I've seen people that had very little and all of a sudden were rich toward God. And unfortunately, I've preached in Madagascar where the average wage is $325 to $350 a year. Less than a dollar a day. And I've watched those people smile, sing, bring wads of money, walk to church, put money in, clapping, rejoicing. They'd have a whole chest of money and it might be $80, but just because their money's not worth very much. But bringing what they have. What do you say? What an hour this is for us that I am not going to let this society idea of money because I want to be rich toward Him. If anything else, my riches, my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Remember the song? Oh God, in this perspective of the world that is self-centered and that is focused on today and that is focused on what I have and what I can have and I need more and I've seen folks and I and I, you know almost as God blesses them the more he blesses them the less they need God and I feel sad because I'm thinking when you had nothing you wanted God you wanted to be in the, you needed God, you wanted prayer. Now all of a sudden, I don't need God as much anymore. Yeah, it's great. Oh, oh man, I'll be glad to be there. Oh, yeah. But I don't find myself reading the word and praying and inviting and touching. What are you saying in this hour? Oh, God, help us to keep us rich before you in everything we do.